0: 6 foot 6 above C level I grab the mic because I like to take it to another mental level Low no power, frequency, radio modulation The big sound from underground We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before We bring the sound,
1: communication of our tribal war
0: Hello everybody and welcome to A Public Affair. It's Wednesday, so that means you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird. And I want to remind you, you are listening to the fabulous, volunteer-powered, listener-sponsored community radio, your favorite station. WORT 89.9 FM Madison and we're continuing our conversations today with the candidates running for Wisconsin State Assembly in District 80 and District 80 includes Verona, Mount Horeb, all the way down to New Glarus, parts of uh, Middleton, parts of Fitchburg. It really is quite a large district and I will we'll talk with our guests today about the uh, the variety in that district. But I'm really excited to get the conversation started. Let's get right to it. We have Chad Kemp joining us today. Hey, Chad, how you doing?
1: Hey, Carousel. Thank you for having me. And uh, I first want to thank you for the, your enthusiasm for the 80th district.
0: It's a great district. Hey, I love I love all of Dane County. And, uh, you know, we were... God, where was it? We were just... In uh, Cross Plains in Verona, visiting with friends on our way out to APT, stopped for dinner there. It's just it's sort of the the gateway to all the things, you know, that we love throughout Wisconsin. So it's a lovely area. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I spent I've I've spent most of my life in this district, so I I love it as well.
0: Well, that that makes you the perfect candidate to run for State Assembly. So there we go. Um, Why don't you tell us a little about yourself, Chad, and why you're running for State Assembly?
1: Yeah. So just a little bit about me. Um, again, my name is Chad Kemp. I was actually born and raised in this area. My parents are originally from Milwaukee. Uh, they met in high school. They went to Rufus King High School, um, eventually went to UWM. They were the first uh, in their family to go, in both families to go to college. And then right around the end of the 19, you know, 1970, 71, 72 during Vietnam, my mom then suggested to my dad, how about you look at going to medical school? He was in the chemistry. And so he applied, and he got into medical school here in, at UW Madison. And so that's where me and my brothers were eventually born here in the area. Um, and so we very early on we were on the far west side of Madison, and then my parents moved to the Verona area in 1982. Um, and I actually asked my mom, you know, coming from Milwaukee, how did you, you know, decide to move to the Verona area? And she literally said, because we heard they had really good schools. Hmm. So I went to Verona K-12, through starting in the old Sugar Creek building, um, and then graduated in 1997. Um, and then the only time I actually left the district was to attend college. So I went to the University of Wisconsin, where I majored in political science and Afro-American studies. Um, and upon graduation, you know, my dad, who is an anesthesiologist, kind of looked at me and said, if you have that degree in a bus pass, you can get on a bus. What else are you going to do next? <laughs> Um, and so, so I applied and, and went to law school, um, again at university of Wisconsin. It's kind of at this point now it's a family tradition. Um, unfortunately I have a younger brother who is a division one basketball coach and he coaches at the university of Minnesota. So that is a little bit of a sticking point in our family.
0: I went to law um, school at the university of Minnesota, but you and I can still be friends.
1: That's right. That's fine. (laughs) Um, so I, you know, upon graduation, I graduated in 2008 from law school Um, and I tell people when I go around and I've spoken to a couple um, legal associations around the state I've told you know a lot of younger lawyers starting off I graduated probably at the worst time to graduate except for maybe May of 1929 Um, you know graduating right before the Great Depression wasn't great graduating Mm -hmm. right uh, during the Great Recession was not great either Mm -hmm. and so at that time since I couldn't take a job I had to make a job so I started my own law practice, uh, Kemp Law Firm, which I ran. I did a lot of general practice um, for about 11 years. And then I eventually merged my firm over with uh, Gingras Thompson and Walks. So we're a firm that is across the state. We have offices in Madison, Milwaukee, and Eau Claire. Um, Dana Wachs, who was a former gubernatorial candidate and a member of the assembly, is uh, one of the partners in the Eau Claire office. Um, so since 2018, I've been doing that. Um, I have three kids that are now in the same schools that I went to. Um, uh, Elliot is 13, Kellen is 10, and then Noelle is 7. Um, my 10-year-old Kellen was in the exact same room I was in in kindergarten, oh, which is pretty interesting to kind of go back there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then uh, uh, for, for you know service that I do outside of, of politics, I'm actually on the board of directors for Little John's Kitchens, Um, Dave Heidi is a well-known chef in the area and so that's one of his projects to, you know, combat uh, food insecurity. And then also I'm a board member of the Verona area swim team, which is a a newer team that was founded in the area um, to make sure that we could have a team for kids to swim here in Verona. Um, And then, of course, I'm an elected official. I'm currently the City Council President um, of the City Council of Verona. I've been uh, doing that since about 2018. Um, I've always been passionate about public service and that's kind of a a rundown of of me in a nutshell. I mean if you want to ask about things I like doing in my spare time I can go into that also. Is is
0: there any any spare time left in that right you do attorney work you do. local elected official i i feel like we run parallel lives and i know how incredibly hard you work and how incredibly hard i i worked when i was on the county board i i I left i left that just recently and it's it's i don't i don't know what to do with myself in the evenings um but right so you're telling me there's more to this story there's other things you do in your free time Chad.
1: yeah i mean like it's very it's very rare but i i try and every once in a while you know um i like doing competition barbecue if i have time and i'm I'm also a musician. So I, I, you know, play a number of different instruments. So when I get the time, I like to try and pick up my guitar, you know, I'm teaching my sons now how to play and things like that, but I'm, I'm really into like cooking and baking. I like doing that as well.
0: Okay. well, That's all fantastic. Um, it's really great to sort of get the whole picture of you when you're, you're clearly a champion and an advocate for your community. Uh, beyond all of all the other things you do, I want to break down some of the things you talked about. Let's talk sure. about your experience on the Verona City Council. Um, local advocacy and local elected officials do so much. Talk to me about what you've learned from being uh, not just a member of the City Council, but then the president of the Verona City Council, and how that will help you be successful at the state level.
1: Sure, yeah. I think, um, you know... Verona, when I I can kind of go back a little bit further, when I was a kid coming into Verona, I can remember the sign said Verona population 5,374. It was, you know, always the same. Um, About the time I graduated high school, Verona started growing exponentially. Obviously, we have Epic Corporation, which is right essentially in my backyard. Um, And so Verona has become, the school district in particular, is much more diverse than what it was was when I was coming up and, you know, before I graduated. Um, and so with that comes a diversity in ideas, a diversity in uh, backgrounds, a diversity just in the people that make up this community specifically. And so when I decided I wanted to, you know, work, get involved in public service, part of that was to try and bring a, a diverse diverse thought to the council. Um, and so what I learned initially is that first and foremost, local government is, is the driver in just about all of our lives, whether we really realize it or not, starting at the municipal level, working yeah. up through county yeah. board and then at, at uh, the state level. Um, and the things that affect us daily um, can be changed for the for the better, really at the municipal level. So I learned that very quickly that you can have an effect on someone's day to day life. Um, just as, a, as as an example, the fact that we have um, we changed, uh um, a new contractor for our, our garbage collection in Verona. It, my garbage day changed from Monday to Tuesday. It took me a month to try and remember which day my garbage was being picked up. But those are the little things that can affect or change people's lives yeah. daily. And that's something that's very small and minuscule. There are things that you can do at the local governmental level that will really have an impact on people's lives, right? So doing what you can to make sure that the roads are clear and, the, and that the streets are paved appropriately making sure that you um do things to add aesthetics to the community right so like the um right now one of the big uh points of contention in this area is the military ridge trail and whether or not that's something that should be paved. if it's paved people are going to use that a lot more and whether or not people know that that comes from city government they're going to have access to something now they can bike into the city of madison and use that instead of driving cars all the time. These are things that we can do as elected officials to help make people's lives better. Um, another thing during the pandemic, there were local businesses here that were struggling. We saw that all across the country. And so I'm the chairman of the finance committee. And one of the ideas we came up with was trying to put together some grants with some funds that we had set aside for some of the local businesses um, to, to make sure that they could essentially keep the lights on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there was one owner of of a pizza shop in Rhone who actually personally delivered a pizza to me and came just to thank me because of that. It helped him keep his business going. So there's a lot of things that that you can do to affect people's lives positively. Um, and so that's something that I think that I learned very quickly, and and something that I um, want to continue to do at the state level.
0: Will you on the state level then? Will you spend some of your passion and energy in ensuring that? local communities are supported? Or do you think there's legislation that states can do to state at the state level that we can do to support local governments?
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, obviously, there's a number of things that we could be doing to support our um, state and local or or, excuse me, our local communities. I mean, right now, um, you have a lot of school districts that are struggling um, with the cutbacks to schools. So I think some of the things Mm -hmm. we could be doing is making sure that that local communities don't necessarily have to go to um, referendum every few years to make sure they have the operating funds to run their school i mean the city of uh, the verona school district is talking about doing one right now and i know a number of other um, school districts are dealing with the same same issues it shouldn't we should not have to wonder year to year as a teacher whether or not you're going to have the funds to operate and 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 fund your school appropriately um, so, and at the very least, we wanna make sure our children are getting a good ed- education. So that's one thing that we can do right away um, at the state level, properly funding education and make sure that um, these communities don't have to necessarily go to referendum all the time. And I know um, right now in the legislature, um, Republicans have tried to restrict even the ability then for a community to go to referendum. Yeah. <laughs> so they're really yeah. trying to make it difficult uh, for people to properly fund uh, education even when the funding is being cut um, to education at the state level.
0: And I know some yes. of you, when I look on your website and, and listen to um, some of the links that you have on your social media about the conversations you've had uh, across uh, the community, you talk about the importance not just of public education, uh, which clearly you know, you're a product of, your children are a pro- product of, uh, but also that the need to expand access to education, apprentice programs and other things like that to support workers. Tell me all of that perspective you have.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really simple. I'm um, I'm the one candidate in this race that's endorsed by the Carpenters Union and the Operators Union. And um, apprentice programs is one way that we can give um, young people an opportunity to You know expand their education some people don't necessarily want to go to college right away Um, I was brought up in a home with parents that went to college they saw that as a way to get to the next level Um, they always told me that education is something that can't be taken away from you and so coming out of that you know baby boom generation and being the first individuals that went to college in their family I think they had it in their head that this is you know what you need to do in order to be successful Um, What we found really over the last 20 years, quite frankly, the cost of education has gone up dramatically. Um, I talked to my dad once actually, you know, about how much it cost him to go to the University of Wisconsin Medical School. Um, And he told me it was $350 a semester in 1972. Wow. Okay. I had $50,000 in loans for law school. I'm never going to get the return on investment that from my education in all likelihood that an anesthesiologist that went to medical school in the 1970s will get Um, what you can do with apprenticeship programs is children that are graduating from high school that don't necessarily want to take on debt maybe they aren't sure about going to college they can get their hands into or get themselves into a situation where they can work with their hands earn a living wage immediately get the skills that they need to advance in that career and not only have pensions, but have, you know, retirement, healthcare on day one. Um, when I went out to the um, carpenters union, I saw that most of these guys were making well over $20 an hour on, on the first day they started. Their education was free. Um, and then they knew they were going to have a good job. And these, a lot of these guys do this for an extended period of time throughout their entire career. And then they retire happily, no student loan debt, nothing. Mm-hmm. And I That's something that in the public schools that we need to start focusing on, we need to start pushing. There are other options besides, you know, going to a two year or four year school. Um, Sometimes graduating with an English degree isn't necessarily the best thing that you could do for yourself if you can find a way into the trades. And I think that's something we should really strongly be, be pressing.
0: I think sort of tied to this of the 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 needs of workers and people to be you know earning a living wage is your support for small business owners that that you really I so many times you hear conversations of people advocating for workers advocating for businesses and you are advocating for both at the same time and you you see a relationship between that that's not antagonistic. Talk to us about that and your experience as a small business owner.
1: Certainly. Yeah. I mean, this is part of the I think a part of uh, the problem with our politics today is that um, a lot of people kind of see things in black and white. And in reality, the world is a lot of gray. You can you can be a a Democrat and obviously support, you know, a living wage while at the same time doing what you can to help businesses grow. I was a small business owner for 11 years. That was not an easy thing to do, especially Mm -hmm. when, you know, having just graduated and learning the law, but not actually how to practice law. So I was doing two things at the same time, right? Learning how to actually practice law and building a business. And so I think what we can do um, in, at the state level is that we can to help businesses, particularly small businesses grow. I was fortunate to, to benefit from a small business loan from WIBIC, um, which helps a lot of um, minorities and women start small businesses. I was one of their successful businesses that they funded. Um, At the state level, we should be looking to do more to help small businesses grow in the state of Wisconsin, particularly if these are individuals that are hardworking, that are dedicated, and they're keeping the money in in the communities where they belong and they're providing jobs for people, and especially if they're providing jobs that um, provide living wages for individuals that live in the community.
0: We're talking right now with Chad Campese, one of the candidates for Wisconsin State Assembly Assembly District 80. Uh, Chad, I want to ask you about Assembly District 80, the um the vastness of it, uh, especially right. for a Dane County district. When people have right, the city of Madison is 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 divided up into multiple districts, and here we have all of Verona, all of You know, Mount Horeb, pieces of Fitchburg, pieces of Middleton, all in this district. What are you seeing when you're going uh, door to door? Uh, is, Is there a sense of commonality and unity at the doors?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, it is. First of all, yes, it is vast. Actually, this week, the light on my um, dashboard came on saying brakes. So I have to go get new brakes <laughs> because I've been driving around <laughs> so much. Um, you know, no car, you, you will
0: keep going. You will keep going.
1: Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, But, you know, you you do see a lot of diversity and this kind of, you know, it goes to my background. The one thing that I've noticed in in my experience, you know, being an African-American, having parents come from the inner city of Milwaukee, but then having grown up here in suburban Dane County, you know, my experience is mostly here, but then my family was all in Milwaukee. So I got to experience both the inner city and seeing what it's like living there and then also seeing what it's like living here. And you do have some pockets in, in the area or in Dane County where you can see that too. And so you go to Verona where it's very suburban and then outside of Verona in the town where it's very rural. But then there is a Fitchburg where it's a little more closer to the city of Madison, right? So you get a really good taste of how diverse it is. Now, the thing that I always tell people is the things that make us, uh, that are similar with us are, are much more closer than the things that actually divide us. When you talk to people in rural areas they want the same things that people want in in urban areas quite frankly particularly they want to make sure their kids have an opportunity to get a good education they want to make sure that they have solid housing they want to make sure that if something should befall them should they have uh, an unfortunate situation fall upon their family that there is some type of safety net to get them back up on their feet they don't necessarily want to have a handout and live on that forever but they they want to have some type of, of safety net to make sure that they can move on and get back up uh, on their feet and working again. And so the things that I've seen going across the district, generally people are um, relatively happy, except for some of the things at the federal level that we've been seeing, right? The um, denigration of our um, democratic principles, um, people attacking whether or not elections um, uh, were actually won or lost. These are some of the things that I'm hearing from people. We need to just get, get back to a sense of normalcy Um, And then also I've seen a lot of people that are genuinely concerned about the level of violence that we're seeing in in our communities, Um, people that are obviously having issues with respect to gun violence and the lack of action being taken at the federal level with that. Those are some of the big things that I'm seeing. But, you know, whether you're in one corner of this district or another or the other corner, it's basically the same thing.
0: Chad, talk to me about that. You have such this such a great depth of understanding the local issues. And how does that translate when you go to the state capitol where you want to move forward these issues and yet people sometimes lose sight of the fact that government works on these when top on their mind is lack of access to abortion, Um, tremendous uh, gun violence like you said, threats to democracy, these sort of core issues. How do you balance that? Or do you think it's all part of the same conversation?
1: Well, I think that's an interesting question. Um, I think first, you know, whether people believe it or not, I, I think that um, when you actually go and look at the legislative record, most people do a, uh, Most of the time bills get passed Um, The majority of the bills get passed and they they fly through and there's a lot of agreement on them. Not always, but on these hot button issues, I think politicians often use them to just really divide us. I mean, it's pretty clear. Um, You saw um, Ted Cruz at the national level. As soon as the Supreme Court issued Dobbs, um, within weeks, he made uh, a statement that he thought the same sex marriage case was decided incorrectly. I mean, the only reason why you do something like that is to continue to try and divide people. What I want to focus on isn't necessarily the things that divide us or the things that separate us or that make us different, but what are the things and the commonalities that bring us together and the things that we want? And so I think while it is it is important, certainly, to um, worry about uh, women's access to choice and healthcare, that is uh, something that we should never back down on. At the same time, you can walk and chew gum. Let's find out things that we can get done together that's going to make Carousel's lives better. Let's see the things that are going to make the lives better for all of our kids as opposed to just fighting I mean Democrats are very much in the minority in the legislat- legislature right it's really only a couple things you can do effectively as a, a, a member in, in such a large minority one um, you could sit there and throw bombs at the other side which quite frankly isn't very productive or you could effectively shine the light on the things that they're trying to pass, so that people are educated and know exactly what they're trying to do. And so as an attorney, um, I can read and interpret the law v- relatively quickly or the, the bills that they're trying to pass and sh- and essentially educate people on, here's what they're trying to do, here's why they're trying to do it, and here's how it's going to affect you. And this is why we need to make these changes. This is why we need to work hard to continue to elect Democrats, because your lives will be better if we find a way to do that
0: chad i want to talk about um your african-american history and your african-american heritage and as the only african-american running in this race and your experience you know as a second generation college uh, educated uh, african-american with uh, parents that were college educated very very uh you know rare uh, at their time i Wanted to talk to you about how that shapes your perspective and your um, advocacy for your constituents.
1: Sure, I mean, yeah, that's that's a good question. I, you know, having grown up in the area um, and having grown up with the parents that I had, um, it was more or less just an expectation. Hmm. Um, but, but one thing I can tell you is being able to see um, members of my family that have been able to achieve at a high level through hard work and de- dedication. And a, a certain amount of intuitiveness and uh, an unwillingness to back down versus other individuals, maybe in my family that um, that didn't necessarily have that and seeing how your lives can change just by putting in some by putting an effort really, really did have an effect on me. Um, I saw my dad waking up, leaving at five in the morning to go to St. Mary's Hospital to continue to put people to sleep over and over and over again. That was not an easy job. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine having to do that for 30 years. Um, and then I saw him move into an administrative role where he eventually became CEO and chairman at Dean Health Systems. I think that when you get an education and, and when you're able to um, to, um, to pass that on to your children, um, you can see how it changes things generally, generationally Now, what I would say to um, people that I hope to be my constituents is is you don't necessarily have to go um, down the same path that I went. What you have to do is find what makes you happy, um, find what makes you content, what's going to be able to make you um, help society in general and contribute to society. And as a legislator, if you find a path and something that you want to do, I want to find a way to get you there if it's helping with respect to student loans, if it's a way to make sure that you can get an education, get access to education or access to healthcare, a lot of people have to make the choice between working and going to school. If we expanded Medicaid in the state of Wisconsin, a lot of people would not have to make those types of choices, right? Um, so there are things that we can do that will affect people's lives positively and get them up on their, on their feet.
0: What are things that you can do, you think, on a statewide level to, especially if you were elected to the state legislature as a official from Dane County that has this progressive base? How can you help share that conversation on a wider, wider level throughout Wisconsin?
1: Sure. I think what we have to do is understand that the Democratic Party has always been a party that is a big tent party. Um, You can go back and look in the history. And I'm a history nerd. You can go back and look at the history of the Democratic Party, and it's always been a very, very broad broad party, a very very diverse party. Um, And I think right now we have um, a party that's very, there's very progressive wing, and there's kind of an older, more uh, center-left wing of the party. The first thing we have to do in the state is we have to make sure that we re-elect Governor Evers. Uh, Governor Evers was actually the superintendent um, of Verona School District when I was there. His sons, Nick and, Katie, Nick and Katie, Yep, Nick and Katie were actually classmates of mine. His kids, um, and so we have to do that first. But then, secondly, I think the um, uh, Democrats in the legislature have to work to to elect Democrats in other areas of the state, and that may mean that we don't necessarily agree on every issue, right? There may be a, there has to be that diversity in the in the party to get people elected in rural areas versus Madison and Milwaukee and things of that nature. Um, so we have to find ways to, to find common ground, understanding that first, it's not, it's not important if you win an argument if you're not winning elections. The way you affect change is by winning elections. It's great to sit and have a professorial conversation and know you're right. It doesn't matter if you don't win. And I think that's what Republicans have always understood. The, the path to power is by winning elections first. So we have to look within ourselves and simply state, We have to diversify. Also, we have to be able to go win in other areas. I think that's something that we can do if we start working hard at it.
0: Well, Chad, it's been fabulous talking with you in our final moment here. Can you just tell people how they can learn more about your campaign and see you on the campaign trail?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm doing a lot of doors, obviously. But obviously, if you go to www.chadkemp.net, you will have all of my information there that you need. Um, That's the best way to get a hold of me. And I appreciate the time.
0: It's been fabulous talking with you, Chad Kemp, candidate for Wisconsin State Assembly in District 80, uh, also president of the Verona City Council, attorney, small business, former small business owner. Uh, Anyhow, all of those great things. Chad, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening. I want to remind you, you are listening to WORT 89.9 FM Madison. Yesterday, Shally had an opportunity to uh, do an interview with another candidate running for Wisconsin State Assembly, and that is, I want to make sure I get his name right, Doug Steinberg. Let's play that interview now.
2: I'm on the line with Doug Steinberg, a candidate running in the Democratic primary to fill the 80th. District State Assembly seat. Uh, the incumbent Representative Sandy Pope of Mount Horeb is not running for re-election. Um, Doug, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing good, thank you.
2: Cool. Thank you for joining us today. Um, so, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're running uh, for state assembly.
3: Well, I a um, little bit a little bit about myself. Uh, I went to school at uh, Lakeland College. I got a BA in business. I also have uh, a two-year um, technical degree in sales and marketing. And then just recently, I finished one year of a two-year program at MATC for robotics, um, trying to stay current, that type of thing. But. Um, I've had several jobs uh, throughout the years because when I graduated from high school, the the economy was really bad, it was 1988. But I finally uh, got uh, a job in the Department of Corrections, worked inside the prison system and then went into being an agent uh, for the state of Wisconsin supervising high-risk sex offenders. so I've got a lot of different experience. I've got, you know, very professional jobs, and I've had jobs that uh, were not so professional and paid very little. So the reason I want to run is because I think I know what it's like to feel uh, the the results of some of the legislation that comes out, and if I if I can uh, help change that narrative I that's that's what I want to do okay
2: Um, so we should probably clarify to our listeners and I'm sure Carousel will have said this um, earlier but the 80th assembly district uh, contains like southwest Dean County the northern half of Greene County and part of eastern Iowa County Um, so if you live in parts of Verona or Fitchburg or Barneveld Belleville Blue Mounds Monticello Mount Horeb or New Glarus, Um, this is the assembly district um, that represents you. Um, Doug, can you tell us, uh, as you've been campaigning, what you've been hearing from constituents in in this area?
3: Well, I'm a little shocked that this happens to so many people, but I have heard many times that um, people were terminated from their work just prior to retirement, and it really messes them up. And that same thing happened to me. And so, again, I can relate to that. And it it, it's, it is very difficult financially for these people. It's difficult to find work after sticking an entire career into a job. And to be terminated like that just prior to retirement, it's just not fair. So it would be one of my priorities to make sure that when you stick so much time with a company and you you have, um, you know, retirement, you know, insight that employers should not be able to fire you unless they've got a really, really good reason. Because I think there's some abuse there that just needs to stop
2: Okay, and can you tell us a little more about the specific policies you would seek to implement um, as a lawmaker as you're running for the legislature to address that issue?
3: Well, I think there there would have to be in place a certain number of years prior to retirement where it would be law that they you cannot be fired unless um, you know it, it's real evident that you need to be fired because it seems funny to me that you know somebody can work for a company 15 20 years and all of a sudden there's a problem towards the end of their their uh, work history and then they're just kicked out the door I don't I don't really believe that I think that's that's an abuse so the specific goal would be to uh, just make it that these people are more or less solidified in their work until retirement, maybe 10, maybe five to ten years prior to um, retirement. And they're going to need to have a little bit extra proof to, to um, terminate somebody. Well, you know that's
2: a um, that's a kind of a big ask um, in Wisconsin employment. Uh, we're we're an at will employment state, right? So unless you, um, I mean, there are contracts and there are certainly like wrongful termination suits for discrimination or other reasons. Um, but pretty much in Wisconsin, because we're at will, an employer can fire an employee uh, for any reason whatsoever. Um, so I mean, what kind of bill would you implement to, it sounds like you'd want to undo that. What kind of bill would you implement, seek to implement?
3: Well, that's right. The, you know, the employer will say it's, um, you know, we don't force you to work. So, you you know, we can't, you can't force us to keep you here. And, um, which is, I understand that and that's good. But the specific rule would be, uh, or law would be to once they've worked for a company for say 10, 15, maybe 20 years, that those last five years they cannot be fired unless it is just so evident that, that the case needs to be that way. Um, so that's that's pretty much the idea, and I. But I, I understand where you're coming from. Where you know, the the state, um are nobody. Uh, you know, can force you to work. So why should they be able to? You know, be forced to keep you. Well, it's just I think what we need to do is hire the uh, burden of proof to get rid of somebody at that stage, because it's just it's being it's being abused and um, it's just not fair.
2: Yeah, Wisconsin is no stranger to labor issues. Um, Would you describe yourself as running on a labor platform?
3: I uh, do consider myself running on labor issues. Uh, My main thing is that I want to uh, back men, working men and women. They pay for everything and I've been there and I've paid for everything. Pay for the rich to get richer, and we pay for the poor because they need that. And then, and then you have to kind of carve out something what's left over for your own life, and it's just been uh, very difficult for years and years. And right now, the um, companies they their management style or management, um, um geez, what management, um. <laughs> Model is Deming, Deming management. And if you're familiar with that, um, organized upside down. And then what they do is they say, okay, well, the, the president serves everybody in the company. And so it kind of flips that a little bit. But then what they say is, they, but wipe out the middle income, wipe out middle management. And then now you just have the worker bees and then you have the president, maybe one or two guys helping them out. But what happens then when everybody in the country does that, you just wipe out our middle class. So I want to change that as best I can. And I want to work for working men and women because nobody gets a chance to prosper anymore. They just get get the opportunity to work take care of themselves, the bare minimum, and and they make enough money just to get back to work to do it all over again.
2: Okay. Well, we've been spending a lot of time on this issue, but uh, Wisconsin and this nation are facing so many um, issues um, in the public square. Um, We have reproductive rights. We have gun violence, we have criminal justice issues and racial justice issues and LGBTQ issues um, and education and healthcare. care. Um, what are your other top issues? Right. This is to fill a good amount of years in the legislature. Mm-hmm. So assuming, you know, um, let's say you're elected. Um, OK, you have one bill proposal, but you got to do that for several more years. So um, what else would you propose? What else are top issues for you?
3: Uh, one of the biggest ones is it has to be child safety in our schools, and I think that some of those problems with um, having people, police departments and such, trying to go in after an um, uh, assault of, uh, you know, being in the school, I think that we could probably address some of that with robotics. And I think that, um, like, when you think of robotics, you think of a little person being a robot. But it's not really like that. A soda machine is actually a robot. But I think that with robotics, I think uh, we could have, um, you know, a a gunman being spotted at the door. And before, if he's carrying a gun, he doesn't belong in school with a gun, he, he could be shot and killed right on the spot with a robot. So, I mean, that's, again, I'm thinking a little bit outside the box because I've, you know, I've just had this uh, schooling with robotics, and I know there's a lot that can be done with that. So I think that's one of the um, bigger areas that we have to address, and that if somebody decides they're going to go into a school and harm somebody, they have to be able to predict with 100% accuracy that they will not hurt anyone, and the second thing they have to predict with 100% accuracy is the fact that they're going to they're going to die doing it. And so I think that's um that's that's on a lot of people's top priority I believe and I think that we need to be addressing that sooner than later and we got to just uh we have to address it very aggressively. Um, I, did you see so did you, I
2: want to yeah. res- respond to that. Um, so r- robotics in schools, um, I could see some things going wrong with, um, a- addressing gun violence with robots in schools, right? We know that, um, current algorithms do not, um, are not equal, um, and, and there are a host of might be a host of other issues with that. Um a lower hanging fruit for for addressing gun violence and gun safety um for years governor evers has proposed red flag laws um and they're called erpo laws um as well as more enhanced background checks and and other gun safety measures. Would you be in support of those?
3: I would be in support of those, but I do think it's um it, it doesn't have very many teeth to it. It's, it's, uh, you're trying to find somebody who's, who has potential to harm somebody like this, but, uh, it's just, you're, you're trying to sweep the entire population of gun owners, and it's just, uh, I just don't, I just don't think it's gonna work very well. Um, there's gonna be people who, um, don't fit anyone's idea of, um a gunman in a school, but they're gonna end up doing it and they're gonna say, say how did we miss this you know um so I just I think it's a real difficult thing what they're trying to do
2: yeah I, I you could argue that there is a stereotyped uh, justified stereotype to, to gunmen and one prominent indicator is um, domestic violence. Um, and that is part of what these uh, laws are trying to address, is spotting these behavioristic um, uh, behaviors prior to an assault. Um, But okay, so uh, labor issues and gun violence, what are some of uh, your other
3: top issues? Well, um, well, it kind of goes back to... um, know, living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, I think that all the money goes to the top.
1: And um, again,
3: that's because of this Deming management uh, model. Um, But um, the other thing that I think we need to work on and hit hard is health insurance, that is real health insurance and affordable, truly affordable. It's right now. Everybody pays health insurance as best they can, but there's not a whole lot in that health insurance. I mean, you still have to pay way too much if if something happens. Um, So I think um, if if health insurance companies can't lower the cost of health care and give you more, then I think that there's a possibility that we could be looking at. with something more like Badger Care but for everyone. We create our own healthcare system so that it's driven more of a instead of for profit, it would be driven for breaking even. And um, so the health care is a big deal, especially for elderly people. I mean they live they work and, you know, they live their entire life and then when they get a little older they they got to spend so much money on uh, medications, and it it's it's debilitating. It it, it ruins their lives. I know um, um, one person I had talked to said that they think they might end up losing their home because um, of the cost of uh, their medications and and such. So. Um, along with other things like taxes on the homes. You know, there's a combination of things, but nobody should work their entire life and then lose their home. You know, I mean, that's what they work for all their, their lives. So um, health care has got to be addressed.
2: I'm speaking with Doug Steinberg. He's a candidate running in the primary for He's a candidate running in the Democratic primary for State Assembly District 80. Um, the primary is coming up on August 9th. Doug, Wisconsin is a very purple uh, state, and we live in a state that is heavily gerrymandered. How would you plan to get some of your policy uh, proposals passed in a Republican led
3: state house? Well, uh- I would have to say that just uh, good communication and some bipartisan um, efforts on my part. I would have to say that if we if we push for bipartisanship and you go into this thinking, you know, I'm going to have to you know use some give and take. You know, I'm going to have to lose something for my district, but I'm going to be able to gain X, Y, and Z. I think both sides should really be looking at, uh, at that um, a little closer because we are such a, a purple state. You know, we're going to win something on both sides, and both sides is going to lose something. But at least we're making some progress. So the, the, the way you approach it, the way you, you know, try to bargain and sell your ideas um, I think should probably be a little bit more um, a little bit more careful I guess you could say and and, and your approach should be a little bit different rather than coming and say this is what we're doing and we're not budging an inch I mean that's that's no good for either side um, so that's one way that I would to try to, to make, you know, something happen. I think that's, that's probably the top way too. I mean, you're going to have to build relationships that are working relationships. And again, everybody wants to win a little something for their constituents and we're all used to not getting what we want. So, um, I don't think it would be too harsh for people to say, well, we lost that, but geez, we gained this type thing. So
2: do you think that, um, I mean, I, I think bipartisanship is what has been attempted. Do you think that's a viable strategy in our current very divisive, um, explosive politics?
3: Yeah, I get that. I I really do. But I um, I still think that that's that's the the way to go. I if you're going to draw lines and if you're going to you know try to beat people over the head to to take on your ideas, that's it's just not going to work. So I think one of the big things is to like I said communicate with these um people in a way that um you know they know that somewhere down the road they're going to they're going to win too. And the other thing is you know these ideas have to be good for everyone. Okay, so it really doesn't matter necessarily um if it's, a, if it's a red or blue or if it's purple, if your ideas are good enough for everyone. And so that would be another thing that, that you know, you strive for. Um, okay. That's about, yeah, that's about the best I can, I could do, I think.
2: Well, we're running short on time. Um, so why don't you tell us, how can people learn more about your campaign?
3: Um well, I don't have a whole lot of stuff out there i um and I quite frankly, my daughter takes care of my website. I couldn't even give you my website uh right now, but um I hope that they just listen to this this radio show and that they um you know they understand that i'm I'm working my best to get in so I can work for them every day. average Joe.
2: We worked hard to try to find your website and I don't think we were able to track it down. Um, okay. but, uh, but if you send it to us, we'll, we'll put it, uh, in our show notes and our links. Um, Doug oh, Steinberg, thanks. is there anything else, um, that you'd like to add to this conversation briefly?
3: Well, you know, I, just that, um, I'm a person who's busted my butt for many years, like your listeners. And I have a very high degree of integrity. And I will, to, I will do my best to make changes for the people who vote for me, but also the, the people who don't vote for me. I want to make, make this work. I want uh, constituents to be proud of my work. And I believe I can do a good job. I got a lot of experience, uh, a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different viewpoints. So, um, yeah, I hope people get out and vote and vote for me come August 9th.
2: Okay. I've been speaking with Doug Steinberg. He's a candidate in the Democratic primary for the uh, 80th District State Assembly seat uh, to fill the vacancy left by incumbent Representative Sandy Pope of Mount Horeb, Doug Steinberg. Thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you. I appreciate you having me on.
0: All right, everybody. We are back live in the studio. A huge thank you to Shali for um, recording that interview for us, Uh, and a huge thank you to our two guests today, Chad Kemp and Doug Steinberg. Hey, we want to tell you in our final moments here some breaking news. If you haven't seen it yet, Alex Lazary, one of the candidates for Wisconsin's uh, U.S. Senate, has dropped out of the Senate race. He has endorsed Mandela Barnes. Earlier in the week, Tom Nelson also dropped out the Senate race and he endorsed Mandela Barnes. So, so interesting to see all the changes. If you wanna hear any of our interviews, you can go to our website, uh, we've recorded uh, and we have archived all the interviews that we've had. I want a huge, a huge, huge thank you, give a huge thank you to DeMorian for engineering, for Jade and Rochelle for producing. Of course, Shally, our news director, for assisting with the interviews. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back again next week. See you soon on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. Six above sea level, I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation, the big sound from underground,
1: another pirate station. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. We bring the sound, communication of our tribal war. Dark